live. Hey, what's up? And welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show, the quarantine series, <laughs> uh, calling yeah. uh, just live from the boudoir, the bedroom, uh, really enjoying myself. Before we get started today, before I introduce my guests, I wanted to um, just put something out there in the midst of this. And it's not nothing that I didn't already know what I didn't already see, or it wasn't a part of Al, who we are, but we have gotten this, this elitist, this um, uh, essential worker mentality, similar to that crab in a barrel uh, mentality that we often see in many cities uh, and just across everywhere. And I, and I'm saying this uh, and I'm, Purposely, and I'm actually sharing it with the person that I'm speaking to, and it's not. Uh, I don't. I don't feel any differently to about that person towards that person, but it's just an ugliness that's in our space. I saw a live earlier uh, where a business owner in the city got uh, attacked uh, for whatever reason for, I guess, wanting to clean up their space. And I just don't like the comments that I saw. Uh, Our homeless population, a lot of them have pride that it is attached to their mental health or their experience being homeless or whatever, drug abuse, alcoholism, whatever whatever the issue may be. Uh, So it's not, we can't just throw them somewhere. We can't just put them somewhere. And uh, many of us don't want them to be outside our front doors or outside of our our businesses, but we have to start treating them like human beings and trying to find healthier solutions and and helping them to get off of the streets and maybe getting some mental health. But just going to your Facebook Live, posting pictures of them, um, and using your your title as essential or black or whatever as a means to uh, kind of discriminate against them or treat them like trash. They're human beings. Uh, and I, I sent that person that I'm speaking of a, a private message because I didn't appreciate it. It didn't take away from how I feel about that person. But I think in this time, a lot of our ignorance, a lot of our, um, our, our um, disrespect that we normally have for each other is really growing, especially when we start doing this class system and this essential worker versus you're sitting at home doing nothing. We really got to get out of that. As these people are are people like everybody else in a hard time in their life, and I think we need to get a little bit more of a respect uh, uh, behind our actions, behind our words, behind our intentions, and start treating people like decent, common people and not just trash uh, if you feel like somebody's beneath you. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that. I just wanted to really... Uh, speak my piece in that matter because I'm not going to have the Twitter fingers and start posting like that person was posting. I just think it was ugliness and it shows uh, me who I will be supporting once this is all over. And I'm not going to put my dollars and my cents and my time and my energy uh, or my platform uh, out there for anybody that can't treat people with common decency. So with that being said, I'm Nate, your host of the Artist Exchange Radio Show. We're on every Mondays and 
every Monday and Friday. And now I have a special uh, little snippet that I do on Wednesdays, and it's really spotlighting issues. The next one that we're going to uh, do is this coming Wednesday, and we're going to do a talk uh, with a couple people that I've kind of sourced out online around this Boosie, little Boosie uh, versus Dwayne Wade issue and, and speak on uh, toxic masculinity, uh, this idea of uh, sexuality being used as a pet rite of passage for uh, young men and a weapon towards our young women. Um, and then a lot of issues that kind of springboard from that. So tune in on uh, live on my Artist Exchange Radio Show page on on Wednesday for that. Uh, well, without further ado, I uh, reached out to this awesome young man, Mr. David Charles, to be my guest today because Throughout this uh, time, I've been interviewing a, a various artists and uh, individuals that are uh, entrepreneurs to kind of give me their feedback, where they are and what's happening with them during this uh, uh, COVID crisis and how are they dealing or coping with it and how, it, how are they using it to kind of springboard their uh, artistry. And actually, today's topic is, can we be artists without the struggle? Uh, and we'll kind of define that as we go along in the conversation. But I want to first introduce Mr. David Charles. How you doing, sir? What's up, Nate? And, uh, you know, before we get started, I just want to uh-huh. say thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity um, to, to be on your platform. Because, uh, you know, I've, I've watched it from afar for quite some time and uh, was, was looking for was 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 anticipating my you know invitation one day. But here we go. Well, you're family. You technically are family. You've been on Big Exposed several times, so yeah. uh, it's only befitting that we kind of share you now uh, yeah. to kind of bring you around. But I, I kind of let my en- the energy kind of get to where it's supposed to be, and I don't like just picking people because they high, and you've been doing some really great things uh, as an it. artist all throughout the city doing your uh, uh, sipping paints, and uh, I've really... I've watched, I've been wanting to come to one and maybe right. we'll get a chance to get to one uh, soon, but oh, yeah. uh, I really, I like to watch artists be in their own space and kind of develop who they are. And I, I tune into It Is What It Is radio show uh, several times when you were on it. I often was in the office while you were, while you were on it. So um, I've been watching your artistry and I kind of follow you on Instagram as well. And it's, it's really interesting to see people do what they do. And then yeah. in the midst of us having a conversation for you to be on this show, I found out some more things that I didn't uh, know. Uh, yeah. I've met you in other areas. So you a DJ, a photographer, like right. you, do, you do it all. Um, yeah. And I, today we're going to expose that and see how that, uh, all fits together with who David Charles is. So yeah. give us a brief kind of history of who you are and how you became an artist. Well, you know, I, I grew up in Northwest Baltimore. Um, okay. And uh, park, in the Park Heights community, I grew up on Haywood. And when I... One five? Early, yeah, one five <laughs> all day. You know, and um, I mean, pretty much that was that was what gave me a sense of purpose when I was younger. Um, art gave me a sense of purpose and it gave me something to look forward to. You know, of course, I, I dipped and dabbed in a lot of the other things that, you know, we all dip and dab in when we live uh, live in those type of areas. Um, but right. I had I had a lot of dudes that that saw the potential in me before I did. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and, and they were and they respected and respected me enough to say, oh, Dave, like you got something that you can um, you can be great at. And um, and I think that once once that was highlighted uh, to me or for me. 
um, it, it gave it gave me a sense of uh, it, it really did give me a sense of purpose. And then I, and that was something that I began to try to home in on and, and try to master as I got older, as I went through, uh, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school and and, be, and, and eventually, of course, becoming an adult. But um, that's kind of like, a you know, a, a synopsis of kind of <laughs> who, right. who, who I who I am is, you know, um, it's, it's just I'm an artist, man. That's that's what I that's what I do. That's who I am. That's, that is, that is what I, what it, what is my being. So um, I'm always excited to talk about it because this is something that I'm passionate about. Mm. When did you decide that this was what you were going to base your career and your foundation on? Well, um, when I was a lot younger, um, I always felt like I had a, a kind of an ace in the hole. Like it was, it was kind of like no matter what job that I worked or wherever I was, I always knew that art would be it, you know, um, mm-hmm. at, at some point. Um, and I believe uh, 2000, 2005 was the year where everything kind of uh, started to get serious. Uh, I, I did a, a, a mini art show at a friend of mine's house. He invited me over, a, a good brother by the name of Stanley Evans. Okay. He invited me over to his house. He had wine and cheese. And I just bought artwork. We had nice little music. And it was invitation only. And um, I ended up, um, you know, making some good money. And it was like my first little art shindig that he allowed for, for me to do in his home. And one of his friends came and, and asked me to do the same, um, which I did do. And then eventually um, it was a brother by the name of David China who managed the five seasons back then in two, 2005. Mm-hmm. And this brother was like, actually the night um, of the, the, the event uh, that I did at the, the next brother's house, uh, he was like, man, like you should do something at, at the five seasons. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got my thumb in front of you. you should do something at the five seasons. And I'm like, OK, I had never been there. And I had actually uh, did the event on Warm Wednesday. Remember Warm Wednesday? The, uh, mm-hmm. poetry the joint? iconic Warm Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. And big, big love to my man, Walt. Um, but what I will say is that um, I went there that night. I checked the spot out. It was dope. And that's when I really started to do actual um like shows. I did my own shows. Um, and that kind of will kind of lead me into kind of talking about all of the other things the DJing and all of that. But what I will say is from doing that art show, I eventually, uh, made the connect. I was at the black heritage art festival, um, which was one of the biggest art shows, uh, black art shows in, uh, in Baltimore. And then eventually I was, you know, Ray Mercer, uh, Mercer Red Cross was there who, who owned October gallery. And I ended up, doing uh, October gallery. And, and then I began to travel and do it. And once I started to travel and kind of rub elbows with other great artists and was able to feel like I belonged, that was when I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I'm sorry for the long answer, but you know. No, you're fine. I mean, I, I'm trying to get kind of a basis of who you are. And that's, yeah. that's uh, a lot of artists start being that young-minded artist that just dibble and dabble in it. And then somebody kind of kind of intersects that and makes it a reality. I know that was kind of my story and a lot of yeah. artists have been fortunate enough to have that person that kind of come in and say notice us from afar and kind of kind of push us uh to where we're supposed to be because without that first piece being sold or that first artist check, um some of us really don't see the possibility especially being from Baltimore. Um, yeah. We're not really, we didn't really see a lot of professional artists, even though this city was 
covered in it, it wasn't something that was necessarily exposed to many of us. And I know I'm 36, so in that age range, it was when they really started to and kind of infuse the art uh, into the schools. And we started meeting more griots and more uh, visual artists in our schools, but it wasn't something that was necessarily taught to us as a possibility. We took art, but it yeah. wasn't taught to us that we could actually be an artist. Uh, yeah. Uh, in our own right. And that's that's a, a big step that many of us make because we don't have a blueprint for it. So right. uh, I'm I'm one of those people who want to really bring back mentorship uh, specifically for artists, but people yeah. in general, because that means the difference between you having a strong start or you yeah. being 30, 40 something, just getting your start. It really yeah. makes a difference in your life. Right. Are there any other people that you kind of uh, look to in terms of being mentors or uh, people that you followed or or who have reached out to you over the years? Yeah, well, I, you know, um, I've always been a big fan of Larry Poncho Brown. Larry Poncho Brown is a phone call away. So mm -hmm. um, to have his mentorship, somebody that's been in the art game, I believe, over 40 years um, and who and that's all he's ever done. Like right. he hasn't, he hasn't had a nine, nine to five. He, he, he's lived off of his art and for him to go through the, uh, the tragedy, you know, on Haywood Avenue when his actual, um, studio, you know, went up in flames mm -hmm. and he lost, he said he lost millions of dollars worth of artwork and he had right. to kind of start from scratch. And I was able to have a conversation with him about that dark moment in his life. And it was, it was crazy, um, to hear what, what he, what, what, what he went through and he's, and he's still, you know, he's, he's still, you know, hitting, hitting the stride without missing a beat. I'm also right. a big, big fan of Justin Boer. You know, I've never met Justin Boer. I did reach out to him a few times and he, he responded, but uh, mm -hmm. just, Justin Boer is a, is a California based artist who has one of the dopest, you know, hip hop urban styles. Um, and, and, and I've always been a big, uh, uh, Justin Boer fan. So those were, those were my, my main two artists. Um, right. that I that I looked up to that I kind of uh, follow. But, you know, one thing I can say is I've always tried to be also in my own lane. I never tried to do what they did or, mm -hmm. you know, duplicate. I always tried to try to stay in my own lane and create my own separate legacy. Well, many young people confuse uh, having a mentor with following their instruction. And just like like for me, I went to school and I studied uh, uh, acting. But I realized at some point that I, I can't do what my professors did. I yeah. have to take all of those options, which they really are as, as mentors or people that are teaching us, those options and kind of create my own way of doing things. Yeah. And I think a lot of people confuse that. But you have to create your own way. All your teachers, all your mentors are giving you a perspective based on who taught them. And yeah. then they created their own methodology in doing so. Uh, and now you're creating your your own. Uh, but Baltimore is filled, the DMV period is filled with uh, many uh, artists uh, across the genre uh, that, that would be open to uh, being mentors. But it, we just have to tap back into that thing on both sides, mentors and us that need the mentors. Yeah. Uh, in terms of your other forms of art, uh, you do photography and DJing as well. How did you kind of get into those uh, areas? Right. So to piggyback on um, what I, you know, what I was uh, initially speaking about when I did my first show at the uh, at the uh, Five Seasons. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I realized is that 
one thing that I realized is at some point is that, okay, these are investments that I eventually would have to make. When you do an event, one thing that you need to do, do an event is, is, is music. Mm-hmm. So I, I paid, I paid the DJ, I paid the photographer, I paid the videographer, I paid a graphic designer to do the flyer, to mm-hmm. advertise, um, and of course product. The product is something that I had to kind of, you know, creating the artwork, getting it framed, or however uh, I wanted to kind of present the presentation. But I always kept a mental note of the things that I had to invest in to create a product or create an event or create, an, create a show. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I said to myself, you know, I want to um, one day start to invest in this stuff. You know, now granted, I used to, I grew up in, Park, in the Park Heights area. You know, I had some great, some dope DJs that I actually that lived in the area. I used to go DJ um, over my man uh, DJ Nitro and Will Rock, and you know, Booby lived in the area. I had one of my homeboys mm. up the street. So when I was a kid, I was familiar with it because I used to always try to you know go and hang out at a friend's house and DJ because I enjoyed it. But mm. what happened is um, when I started to really uh, make money off of the artwork, those were things that I started to invest in. And what happened is. Each separate entity from the photography, the uh, the video production, the DJing, it all um, had it, it. It took a certain level of investment and a certain le- level of dedication to to get to where you you know you you nice at it. So and you pick three different fields that are equipment based. Yeah, and are really not. Is is you can cheap out and do it, but the quality will definitely be reflected. But yeah, three areas that will constantly have to be updated with with supplies and uh, such. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, I mean, the thing about it is, um, you know, I, I my 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 cameras at this point, they you know they may have better versions of them, but I all I always look at it from a creative standpoint. If you shoot it, you have a certain vibe or a certain quality mm-hmm. in what you do. You know, I think that creativity overrules everything. So at the end of the day, um, it don't, it's not always about what, what you have or the equipment that you have. It's about how you implement it or how you use that equipment. But I, I mean, every, everything that I, I made, my heat press, I went out and got it. And, and when I tell you I went in full businessman mode, I went out and I made every investment that I needed, needed to make to push my brand. And that's what I would say to any artist, you know, yeah. in, invest in yourself. It, you know, no investment that you that you make in your into yourself is a bad investment. So, you know, when I went out there and I had people that questioned, why would I go out there and spend three thousand dollars on a bunch of, you know, getting a DJ controller, getting speakers, getting disco lights, getting amps, getting all of mm-hmm. the getting microphones. But then when they see the fruits of the labor and they see me, you know, doing parties and doing. So when I do an event and I'm sorry to kind of bounce all over the place. You're fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. My sipping paints. I've seen, I've gone to sipping paints. And what happens is you have people that throw sipping paints. Of course, they have to they have to pay for canvases, they have to pay, pay for the supplies, and they have to pay for a DJ. They have to pay for a photographer. They have to pay for those things. Mm-hmm. So when I uh when I you know did that first show at the five season, I knew at that point that this was something that I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. So it was, it was something that I was, these were investments that I was willing to make. So now I'm at a stage where I have my own music set up. 
I DJ, you, I can pre-record a mix in the Serato program so I can just press a button. The music plays. I have a, 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 a an amazing sound system. I have my own cameras. I, you know, I give my camera to my son or a friend and, and, and teach them how to use it. So everything is in-house at the end of the day. Right, you know, right. everything is in-house. And that's, and, and that's one thing that I will preach until my last day is when you empower yourself, you can move however you want to move when you want to move. I don't have to wait on nobody to do nothing. If I want to do an event, if I want to do photography, if I want to do a, a short film, I do mm-hmm. it when I, you know, on my terms when I'm ready, you know? And that's that's real empowerment uh, and encouragement uh, for a lot of artists who feel like they are they have to be a slave to a specific job to be able to fund those things. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. However you get to your goal is how you get to it. Uh, yeah. Just whatever works best for you. But that's uh, it's hard for artists to really make that jump right. and when you get to that mindset that you have now. Uh, it's nothing that's going to stop you, but often that jump is kind of the the problem for many artists because many artists stay stuck in. Well, I gotta go get those forty plus hours so I can even think about this over here. They don't even think about the freedom that they'll have uh, in creating and being an artist uh, once they get to that other side. And how if you just make the initial investment, yeah, a lot of things will turn around quickly. Quickly, people start yeah. noticing it. Yeah. And I mean, you think about, you know, being able to truly maximize your potential as a creative individual or as a man as, as a whole. You know, it's, it, it right. takes it takes a certain level of investment in order for you in, in investment in yourself. Rather, I'll be more right. specific for you to be able to reach the level that's necessary for you to be great. You know, and mm-hmm. I mean, you know, my you know, I don't know if you're aware, but my daughter passed away um, last year. 19 year, years old. And um, so I think about this. I think about, you know, her passing and, you know, and even at a young age, her establishing somewhat of a legacy. Mm-hmm. So when I think about myself and I think about what I want to be remembered, what I want to be remembered for as an artist, I, you know, these are things that are, that are important to me is, is um, empowering other artists. Right. Um, to create art, to create a legacy of of artwork that reflects black people in a sense that I feel like we should be, you know, because at the end of the day, um, that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel like this is this is the culture. We are the culture, the artists of the culture. And I mean, even when you think about hip hop culture, going back to the 80s, when it began, the artist had, had, has always been the trendsetter, the people that spoke for the culture that broadcast what was going on in the culture. And, um, and I feel like I'm a part of that, you know, and I think about, yeah, I think about, you know, legacy. And I think about when my time is passed, what will I leave for the world? And, you know, you know, and, and, and I think creativity and art and just purity and, 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 and trying to uplift and build other artists up is something that I want to be remembered by. And that that kind of uh, <laughs> perfectly kind of segues us into kind of touching on the topic for the day. And can we can we be artists without the struggle? Um, and there's two different perspectives that I'm looking at it. And the one that I said to you first was uh, in terms of us being artists, uh, we often try, we often tap into 
that pain to give us that push or that inspiration or that muse to create. And often many of us create out of the worst circumstances. Um, right. You've been pushing through the uh, the death of your daughter and it really has been inspiring to see somebody that can push through. We haven't been there in those moments when you by yourself, but it, it's a, to see you on a social platform kind of rise above it and, and move forward with it in, in her name and, and with her as your muse. But uh, can we be artists without having to tap into that, that dark side or that dark past? Or can we heal, which is the other perspective, can we actually heal and be whole functioning human beings uh, mm. that are artists? Uh, is it possible for us to do those things? And that's kind of the basis of the conversation that I wanted to uh, address right now because I've been dealing with mental mental health during this um, during this uh, quarantine uh, mm -hmm. with artists and talking about various topics around mental health and this wellness and finances and all those things that make us whole artists. But right. this is the one thing that I kind of shy away from because. As a as a you know a actor, I sometimes have to think about something sad that has happened to me mm -hmm. to bring on so certain emotions right. on stage, and I'm not I've never been comfortable doing that because right. you can lose control. You really can lose control if you have not done the work to heal from it. So, in your opinion, just as a general answer, uh, how do you feel about artists tapping into that struggle to create, or have you been that person? that has done that. Absolutely. I feel like art is, is, you know, to a true artist, art is always therapy first, mm -hmm. you know, because a person will create, especially an individual that, you know, that is, is, is deeply and deeply, you know, invested creatively, mm -hmm. you know, that, that has been, that has been my therapy. That has been, right. uh, and in most cases, my way of, kind of staying sane, staying, um, you know, grounded, you know, um, and even for me, and what I will say is, I mean, it's, it's, yes, I, I definitely believe that the struggle has influenced, but, but then you also think about artists that come from all different walks of life. I've done art shows, um, where I, I've, I've met Brazilian artists, artists from Africa, mm -hmm. artists from Japan. And, and when you think about and look at the, the the subject matter and everyone's art. Everyone's art is based on what they've experienced, yes. what they've dealt with emotionally. You know, and you you may have an artist that didn't necessarily deal with the struggle that I dealt with. You know, um, and their artists may look different. You may have artists that draw or create sceneries. You know, mm -hmm. you have graffiti artists. You have artists that draw hip hop. You got artists that draw flowers. So. The, that's the amazing thing of art and the, and the level of diversity um, when you talk about art is that there is no boundaries with it. You know, right. um, I've never I've never been in your shoes as an actor. Um, yes. Well, I've, I've done some acting, but, you know, nothing serious. Um, so I, I don't I don't know how it, it is to kind of reach and, in, 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 you know, kind of motivate myself or think about something to get me in a mindset to cry or whatever the case may be that's something that's that's different um and interesting you know when when i really think about it but what i will say is that um 
I've been able to create through all circumstances, whether I'm happy, sad. And again, once you get locked into that piece of artwork, everything goes away in those moments. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, you know, me being kind of at home and uh, not really um, moving around as much, it has given me the level of freedom, not only to spend time, with, you know, be with my son and relax with my son, mm-hmm. um, but to, to just create free range. Like I, if right. I feel it, if I feel it in my spirit, I create, and that's something that I've been um, I've been doing uh, really con- extremely consistently is just creating, creating, creating. I think I've done since since the quarantine has started. I think I've done twelve pieces. Okay. Yeah, Was it so- easy from the like the start of this? Because I know for me, it was really hard for me to be creative in any space. And the virtual mm-hmm. events kind of brought me back to being creative again. But it was hard those first couple of weeks because you didn't think first, you know, the first week you thought, oh, this is vacation. We'd be good. Yeah. You know, and after the second week and we still like, OK, so what's going on, Trump? Uh, right. But it's not it was hard after that point to be creative or think about it until I kind of tapped into a different platform to be creative. On. It just felt like. It, it wasn't coming. Was that for you or were you just steadily uh, practicing that? Uh, along well, yeah, I mean, whenever I, I mean, I've art, art has always been first. Like, you know, of course, when you think about family and friends or what have you. But, you know, it was easy for me. It was easy uh-huh. for me because what, what happened is when if when it was first first implemented that we had to stay at home, I was like, OK, cool. You know what I'm right. saying? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was like. And 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 it and it 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 made it so easy because it justified just me working. Like I'm like, okay, I'm gonna mm-hmm. just sit down and work on a piece of artwork. And and then initially when everything began, I hopped on live and and I tried to be an inspire and kind of talk to people and talk them, you know, and let them know we gonna be good. And and I kind of challenged a couple of my artist friends to kind of stay busy and like when this quarantine is over, I'm gonna have some dope artwork to show for. Right. Um, and that's really where I've been is um, I've been working on stuff every day. I've been working on I've been, You know, like I said, I've been working. First thing I did when the quarantine first began is I ordered art supplies. You know, I had my little cover. I went and got groceries and I said, first thing I want to order my normal art supplies. But I said, I want to I want to order some stuff that I've never tried. I want to order, mm-hmm. you know, some different brands of watercolor to see which ones I like, some different types of pencils. Um, and I want to be able to be home and be able to really experiment and try some different things out. And um, some, one of the best things that I've done since I've been on quarantine was order those art supplies because I've, I've been constantly creating. I've been constantly doing artwork. And I've been constantly sharing and putting artwork out there for people to see and getting feedback and mm-hmm. and um and yeah, it's, it, it it hasn't been a bad thing for me. I will say that. And mm-hmm. in, in in terms of just that, <clears throat> so for me, what I've noticed and being able to walk or be able to study in different uh, different forms of art, yeah, that struggle, that pain, that that space because it's not always pain sometimes it's capturing moments yeah. but uh and 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 i've noticed in visual art uh it's it we get to that 
that process a little bit different because it just starts as a thought and that thought manifests itself into shapes and colors and textures. But uh, the the reason this, this topic one just stuck with me is because this was the first time that I was by myself, like by myself. I work with children all day and uh, you know, I go from the station and to rehearsals. I'm always around people. So this two and a half months almost has been, it wasn't tough, but like you said, I kind of fell into the groove of it because it, it allowed me time to think and be able to respond to my thoughts through being creative, but it just felt different because I was wondering what, what do I, you know, how do I create? Because often we used to have to steal the time to create because we were so busy either promoting the art or out actually performing the art. But the creation process is not the live manifestation of it. It's the process yeah. of you being by yourself and kind of preparing and learning lines or doing sketches or whatever, uh, or t- actually taking a photo for you to be able to show. Uh, right. But it, uh, it 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 took it took a level of um, just sitting still for me to kind of grasp on concepts or con- or thoughts to be able to create from. And once I stopped trying to like remember stuff or try to do things that I've done and just like you said, do things that you have not done before is yeah. scary. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't. So the way these cameras are set up right now, that's not my norm. It's not what we normally have in a station either because mm-hmm. it's other people controlling everything. So me being this close and people being in my space, even me showing my home has been a different space for me. Yeah. So learning to create with boundaries and, and other type of restrictions have been uh, what this has been for me in terms of how you. Um, how you want to move forward from this. Cause we don't know, we really don't know when this will kind of go back to a norm. If it goes back to that place, are you prepared to kind of evolve with time or are you thinking about what that looks like for yourself now? Yeah. I don't think we have, a, I don't think we have a choice, but to evolve from it. You know, um, mm-hmm. they're going to be transitions that are going to be made. They're going to think they're going to be, um, I'm pretty sure some new things that are going to be implemented once this thing is um, done with. Um, and as survivors, you just, you just have to find a way to get through it. You got to find a way to manage and and do what's necessary to survive. I mean, that's rule number one in human nature is self-preservation. You have to be able to preserve your life. Um, you have to find a way to kind of get through it. Right. Um, and as artists, I think that that art should always be in the forefront because art, art, it, it, it helps you on so many different levels. I mean, the therapy aspect of being an artist is i mean is is huge i mean when you really think about it i was in situations coming up throughout my whole life where i had that outlet to create mm-hmm. um when i was going through something when i was you know heard about something whether i was happy whether i was sad i had that but then it, it makes me think about you know maybe somebody that didn't necessarily had a gift of creativity right you know so right. and i think about you know, how I can get up every morning and I, you know, again, the artwork gives me something to do, a sense of purpose. And I, and, and, and then I think about somebody that may not necessarily have the gift of art and may be in their home right now, quarantined and going crazy because they don't right. have that outlet. You don't have right. uh, 
you know, uh, the, the gift of art. They may not have the, the turntables or the PlayStation or the stuff in their house. So it's, it's not necessarily a good time for them, but, mm-hmm. you know, I just think it's, you know, um, this is a great time to be an artist. Um, especially if you, if, if you're in a situation where you just kind of like, I mean, we all bogged down right now, but I think it's important for us to, 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 to create, you know, and it, you know, it does, it does feel that way. And it's, it's, I think one of the reasons I've chosen to, uh, get on camera more, or get on live more is because I'm used to dealing with children and I've gotten a chance to still teach children throughout this, but it, 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 I've noticed how just the absence of activity has drove it, driven some people crazy and, and other people you just haven't heard from them because they're kind of trying to deal with this in their own way. But it really, I think forced a lot of us to realize how important we are as artists when right. we kind of absent and void of it. Um, and I can see that in how many people are enjoying the, the DJ parties or the versus parties or uh, when we do plays or people creating live. I've seen how, you know, certain people's YouTube pages are shooting up and their views, everybody's views are jumping up right now because people want to be entertained, but they still love that that live feeling of being in the midst of art and in that creativity space. Um, do you see yourself uh, ever teaching outside of your paint shows, of course, but teaching your uh, any of your outlets as an artist? Yeah, um, I, I've, I've, I've done some, uh, a few uh, summer camps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I do have what they call Art Therapy by David Charles. Um, okay. And, and that's, a, that's a part of my brand, a part of my business. It kind of is under the umbrella of the, uh, the sipping paints and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I do art presentations, um, have a, a projector, projector screen, and we shoot the, the piece of artwork up and we have an open discussion about it. Because a lot of the artwork that I've created but everything that I've created um, has uh, has a message or a, an agenda, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, even my younger, earlier pieces, you know. I mean, I, I I'm definitely one of those artists. Uh, when, when you talk about being emotionally, you know, emotionally kind of diving into the piece of artwork with your spirit and with your emotions, you like. I saw some mm-hmm. things in, in Northwest Baltimore when I came up. I saw murders. I saw people get killed. Um, I was around the drugs. I was around the knuckleheads. So a lot of times I created it. I created artwork with guns, with violence and so forth. And when I really started to do um, art shows and events and I started to expose my artwork to people, people would heavily criticize me for violence. But at the end of the day, I was doing exactly what we're talking about. I was expressing what I was going through. I was trying to tell a story through the art. I have a piece called Be More Careful. Uh, where there's a brother that has a gun, a barrel of a shotgun in his mouth and two guns to each side of his head. And I believe I did that when I was in high school. I think it was, I did that in 1997. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, that people gave me hell for that picture. But at the end of the day, they were more focused on the guns. I was focused on the fear in that brother's face. Mm-hmm. So it, it all, it all boiled down to interpretation as well. You know, right. um, you know, I've created a lot of artwork and I've had, um, an idea in mind, like what I want to say in this artwork, you know, and some people will look at that same piece of artwork and, and interpret it completely different. So um, I like that about art though. It's, it's a, I think it's a double edged sword because you want people to 
uh, <clears throat> walk away with a thought, but they don't always walk away with your thought process. Right. Sometimes, depending on what they've been through or what their triggers are, they see something totally different or from a different perspective. I love that art provokes conversation. Right. I love I love going to, especially visual art, because you can go to a museum and just uh, look at something and just get a whole different perspective, depending on what day of the week you go see it. Um, and I love just how art can speak without any words or any uh, preconceived notions of it. Uh, right. Do you often, well, I'm quite sure you do, but how how do you kind of go out and get inspiration or how do you go out and be exposed to art outside of your own? In what ways do you do that? I mean, I mean, it's, it's vibe. It's, it's inspiration. It's uh, like, like we, 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 like we made mention of, uh, it's an emotional process. It's whatever, whatever's on my spirit. Um, You know, recently I've been doing a lot of pieces um, with black women. Um, and, and that's, that's where my inspiration is. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. black women, um, are the most unappreciated people on the planet, but the most influential in so many ways, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and, and I try to capture the beauty and the elegance of, of black, black women. Um, I try to, you know, that the piece that I'm working on, which is here that I just recently started. You know, can you um, bring it closer so we can see it. Uh, okay, you got it. Well, this is okay. Well, you know, and I and I and I want to, you know, I want to create artwork that has has love and passion, love for a black woman, love with a black woman and a black man. You mm-hmm. know, these are things that are that are that are important to me, and that I feel are important to the culture. You know, uh, because one thing I can say is that hip hop culture hasn't necessarily portrayed black women in the light that they should be um, or respect for brothers, you know? And, and, you know, if you've ever, if you've ever listened to the uh, black on both sides by most death, it's a part uh, uh, in the introduction of his CD where he says, you know, people ask me where hip hop is going. And, and, and he says, when you ask yourself where is hip hop going, you need to ask yourself, where am I going? How am I doing? Because we are hip hop. Yeah. We are the culture, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and that's how I embody the whole concept of creativity and art is um, is I'm going to create what I feel moves and up, uplifts and builds the culture. Up. You know, how, um, how has that that thought process shaped like who you are today as you get older? How has looking at your art and looking at uh, how you create, how has that shaped? who you are today. Yeah. So, um, I'm 40, you know, I'll be 41 this year, you know, God willing, if I make it, (laughs) but what I will say is that you can see the timeline and the evolution in your art as you do your, your, your spirituality, your, your, your individuality. Like I can, I can really, I can pinpoint where I was at what point in my life I was at, at, Every piece of artwork that I look at, you know, um, my first jazz piece, my heaven and hell piece, be more careful. Um, you know, uh, the Nasarima dream, what they want, like all of these pieces of pieces that I created. And I had something in my, on my spirit 
you know, and as I had something that I wanted to say and I felt like I was speaking for the culture, mm. you know. Um, and one thing I will say is, is, is I am somewhat disappointed in hip hop to a certain extent because I feel like a lot of the genocide of black people is in the music. When we still, you know, me being 40, you know, and, I, and when I, you know, as far back as I can remember, um, we still disrespecting our women. We still devaluing our women. We're still dumbing our women down. We're still talking about, you know, murdering black men. We're still um, talking and, and glorifying materialism, um, which, in my opinion, shows insecurity. You know, um, so it's, 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 a, it's a lot of layers that we have to peel down um, because I feel like hip hop can be the the repair of black people in my opinion you know to some extent can we so and i and i think about that often but on the flip side of that Mm -hmm. do we allow this generation to go through or go through what many of us had to go through growing up or are we what what can we do to kind of we can't prevent them from seeing the same things that we saw it's unfortunate that those things are still going on and somebody yeah. hasn't come in and kind of changed the the climate or the culture but do we let them go through that is that where mentorship comes back into play um but i i look at a lot of these rappers and i see the older well not even rappers but just individuals in general and i right. see a lot of people bashing the young people for their uh their expression but then i look back to the 90s when when i was really listening to that music and that was the blueprint the blueprint was let's have as much money be as excessive as you you could possibly be have all the bees and be the the head nigga in charge all those things were images that we were all bombarded with that we all kind of were faced and we grew up and realized all that smoke and mirrors most of them right. don't don't even own their name literally their stage name today right. uh but the young people don't have that reference to go back to that lived experience rather they can go back and study it but they don't have that lived experience so how do we how do we adjust how do we prevent or can we prevent them from going through the same thing same cycles I mean, that's, I mean, that's difficult. That's really a, you know, that's a difficult, um, I mean, first, first things first. I mean, what I can say is that as long as people buy it, they're going to put it out. Mm-hmm. You know, when you really think about it, if, as long as we pr- promote or we advocate or support music that, um, has, uh, that type of content in it, then we've, we're condoning it. The artists will continue right. to, the artists will continue to make that music. You know, I think that when the narrative is changed um, and people stop supporting it, that can be the beginning, because as long as people are buying it, you know, I think there's some some, you know, and, and again, you, you talk about the concept of, of self-preservation. I, I, I totally get it. I totally understand that you got to do what you got to do to feed your family. But when it at becomes. What cost, though? Right. Right. Exactly. And that's how I feel. That's how I feel. Like, at what cost? I mean, you, do you do you sell the culture out? Um, right. do you, do you devalue the, 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 the very origin and the history and the culture of the people that you supposedly stand for, that you keep it real for? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, 
I mean, that's a loaded question. Like, that's really a loaded question. Um, you know, I, I just feel like you have people that are heavy trendsetters. Jay-Z, for an example. Um, Jay-Z, I think, I, you know, it's funny, I, I, you know, to see Jay-Z grow and evolve as an artist and as an mm-hmm. activist. You know, and I really wasn't a Jay-Z fan at one point. I, f- I felt like he was more, you know, he, you know, his first few albums I was big fans of, and he got pretty commercial on me. But then it was kind of like he, he transitioned into something different, um, and he became an activist, activist. And he put so, I mean, his 444 was an amazing album because he gave you so much information. It was so strategically done, but it's kind of like people don't, people ain't, ain't listening to that no more. It's not cool. Right. Well, it wasn't, it's not, music has turned into, all music has turned into pop music now. Mm-hmm. So if it's trending, you know, but we see, we see the current of, you know, all the guys feeling like they got to dress up or they got to have a certain look or a certain speech uh, in order to feel important or like a leader. But had, I don't think had uh, Jay-Z lived the life he used to live, 444 wouldn't have sound like that if he didn't learn a lesson or if he wasn't intersected by individuals that said, hey, that's not that's not cool no more. Like you gotta at some point grow up. Or if he did not grow up, four 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 would have sounded a lot different. Like yeah. he would have still been buying cars and jewelry versus property and investments. So right. do we do we allow the young people to live? Um or what 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 information can be put out there or how can we address these? Because being a teacher, children aren't listening the same way. Right. Normally, I could tell you that the fire was hot, and you you'll think twice about touching it. Yeah. And yeah. and then once you actually touched it, you didn't want to touch it again. But right. these children are just putting their hand right in the fire and just yeah. dealing with whatever comes. Right. But how do we kind of how do we shift that that thought process or that that inability to kind of take in information? Yeah, and I know this is kind of like a cliche answer, but I I definitely feel like it it starts in the home. Mm-hmm. You know, it definitely starts in the home. I mean, because at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I get it. You know, your child is going to be exposed to somebody eventually, whether it's a, a pop icon, a rapper, or somebody that they look up to outside of you. But it's it's up to you as a parent to kind of educate your child and give them an understanding of what's what, what's fact, mm-hmm. what's fiction, what's reality, what's entertainment, you know? Um, and I think that that is one of the most, you know, those, that's one of the most important thing is just being a parent, you know? Um, and I think that um, having two parent households is also like, I think if that that's the beginning, Bam, if we could do that, like if we could have two, you know, start to establish a two parent household, culture within the black community i think that that within itself um would be a step in the right direction for us as people you know because at the end of the but you have a lot of people that's saying that oh that's that bill cosby way of thinking that's that cosby show way of thinking that's not that's not my reality how can i but nobody's willing to sacrifice to get to that point Mm -hmm. to even make that a standard anymore Right. 
Well, I feel like you're part of the, if you're not a part of the solution and you're a part of the problem at the end of the day. So, uh, you know, it, one thing I can say is that, you know, a lot of times we can't necessarily dictate who we were born, who, you know, who our mom, who our, or the culture that we grew up in. But what I can say, when you get to a certain age, you can create your own culture within your own home. How so, have you been able to do that? Or is that part of your process now? Well, yeah, you know what, you know what, what I would say, uh, I've been able to implement my own culture with them. You know, I, and I can't, you know, when I, when I, when I think about my childhood, I, I was fortunate. I had a father and a mom. Okay. And I came up in a two parent household. Um, a lot of my friends and family members, um, didn't necessarily have that same dynamic in their home, but I did. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, that's what I became accustomed to, you know? So, you know, when I, you know, my, my son stays with me, my, you know, my, um, my youngest son stays with me. My oldest son stays with his mom. And of course, you know, my, my oldest, my daughter passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, but the relationship that I have with my son and the, the culture that I've established at home is just pure. It's, it's just love and just respect and everything that I'm talking to you about valuing a woman and, and kind of being able to separate the difference between entertainment versus, you know, fact, fiction, truth, whatever you want to call it. These are things that I'm able to implement to my son and 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 create in my household. If that answers mm -hmm. the question, it it does. It, I, I love to hear people uh, speak on what they're actively doing, and yeah. and it says a lot about. Uh, about your character and your integrity and and what you. Uh, what you want to see as a result of your work, uh, and many, mm -hmm. and and one of the things that I'm I'm realizing as a as an artist who teaches is that that is missing from the majority of our homes, and it's I'm not blaming anybody, but that's just how it is, uh, right. and we have to figure out how to get back to uh, you know that balanced space of wanting, and I, I think one of the things is now everybody has access to resources now. It wasn't necessarily there before. So now yeah. you have parents fighting for the same resources that their children are fighting for, like mental health or health care or, you know, finances. Or So everybody now has a, a not a better chance. I still think chances are limited. But you have parents that are now out there trying to be who they could not be at a time because they couldn't afford it. Or And I right. see a competition, that, that ugly head of competition kind of rearing its head in our moving forward and us moving forward rather um, as an artist, what do you think your responsibility is to your uh, community? That's a great question. I think my personal responsibility, and I, I would think that all artists responsibility would be to, to uplift the culture within your art, mm. you know, to build the culture up in your art, because, you know, I've always said this, you know, being an artist is a somewhat of a responsibility because anytime someone looks at your artwork and they like it, they admire it, you have some level of influence over the person who looks at your work. You know, I'm right. I'm just a I'm just a dude drawing and painting pictures. And you'd be surprised at the, the people that reach out to me and, and they say that the piece inspires them or I love your work or I would love to have your work. And that right there, you know it shows the level of power and the level of somewhat of control because in that moment when they look at your artwork, they have, you have influence over them. You've taken them somewhere. 
you know, um, I had a conversation with my good brother, Harold Fisher, who actually worked at Fox 45, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But he said, bro, when I look at your artwork, it takes me there. I feel like, you know, he looked at my jazz piece and he said, I, I feel the smoke in the air because I had kind of made, I made like a mist, misty sky. And, mm-hmm. and he said, I, I can feel the music. I can see the people dancing. And when you really think about the power that you have, and I'm just talking about it from a visual perspective, when you think about, you know, artists, like you think about like, uh, you know, singers and MCs and dudes that, you know, they, they get on a track and they rock and you, and you like, you, you feeling it, you vibing to it. I mean, that's power. So right. I just think, I just right. think, I just think as an artist that, that, you know, your, your responsibility should always be to uplift the culture, you know, um, to guide people. Another thing that I always like to do personally in my work is I always try to challenge the viewer to think, mm-hmm. you know, I I learned that if you get a man to think, he can save himself. And I think that that within itself is powerful because some of the artwork that I've drawn has been controversial. People have, you know, questioned me on it, but I felt like it was necessary. And I did it because I want people to sometimes think outside of a box. I did a piece called What They Want was a black man being crucified. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw it. But he's he's bad, you know, bad shirt. Um, He don't have no shirt on and he got tattoos on his body and everything is subliminal and subliminal in that piece. And I put so much content in that piece and I had so much to say. And a lot of times when people look at that, you can see their wheels are spinning, they thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. and it strikes the, the conversation that, you know, in my opinion, a person that's logical would look at that piece and really have a, a a conversation about building. How can we prevent this from happening or what have you? But that is honestly what I feel my responsibility is as an art, artist is to continue to uplift the culture and to, um, you know, build and create peace, awareness and love through creativity. How do you, uh, and the only way I can think of asking, how do you like wet your palate? Like in terms of how do you um, kind of step outside of your artist self at times and just experience life? Sometimes we we always, as artists, we're always looking at things and shapes and colors and sounds and, and, and words, but we sometimes fail to just live and mm. be in a moment. I think our phones and devices like that has, distract us from living how do you kind of unplug sometimes and just live in your moment yeah i I always i feel like the artist will will always be present no matter what but Mm -hmm. you know yeah when you're moving and shaking like yeah i think that's something i don't i don't really struggle with one thing i can say is that um i've evolved as we spoke about earlier in our conversation the djing and the photography and you know all of these other things that you know, because, you know, you get to the point where the DJ, the DJ was paying bills, you know, up until the quarantine started. But right. the DJ was, was paying bills. So that was something that I would really have to take serious and, and really put time into. And that kind of took me away from drawing pictures or painting. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm DJing at New Orleans. I'm DJing um, private parties and events. So that was something that I had to put time and energy into. And then, you know, occasionally, you know, I'm doing photography i'm doing a photo shoot 
or I might have a video project or I might have to do t-shirts because I got a heat press. So I press up my own t-shirts. So, um, yeah, I, you know, sometimes balance can be difficult, you know, uh, for an artist to be able to properly nurture each creative venture that you've kind of set forward on, you know, right. um, cause you know, I, I, I had to put time into being nice at, you know, being a DJ. I had to put time into that. I had to like learn how to use the equipment. Same thing with, you know, uh, doing photography. When I got that, my, my camera in my hand for the first time, it took me a long time to really figure out how to deal with the aperture and the, the F-stop and like to really learn the camera. That right. was that was a transition. That was some, Then to do video editing. I never went to school for anything. I never went to college a day in my life. So right. everything, everything that I've done has been based on ambition and will and wanting to learn. So I think that um, that's kind of how I've evolved, you know, um, from just being a visual artist to doing, you know, the DJing and the other things. Um, it's just mastering myself, you know, nourishing the things that I want and the things that I feel are, are good for me. And, and I feel as a result. I can I can be at peace moving forward. But you you've said the most important thing because whether you went to school for something or you learned it on YouTube or it naturally was in you, it was a natural ability um, right. or some combination of those three. You right. were never afraid to reach out and and speak to people who were excelling or who were a part of that community as well. And that says a lot about your work ethic because most people. Especially today, we got a liquor store, a church, a photographer on every corner now, and right. and, and I'm not I'm not disputing it, but people do things sometimes for the likes or they see that it's something popular. But the work that they put into making it happen, I've seen a lot of photographers pop up and and disappear because they started getting the jobs, but they couldn't edit in enough time because they yeah. hadn't learned the editing process well right. enough to be able to turn out and have a great turnaround time. And then yeah. they lost, you know, they got bad reviews or somebody said something, but taking the time to one master your trait, you know, yeah. and then being able to reach out to somebody like a poncho that, that will give you, he'll sit down with you and give you the time uh, yeah. to, to learn what it is that you need to learn. And, uh, that's valuable because a lot of young people don't want to go to more experienced people or older people to learn anything. They feel like that's beneath them and that person's not relevant in, in this moment. But that says a lot about your character that you will, you're not afraid to reach out and ask. The ask is hard for a lot of us. That yeah. pride sometimes gets in the way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, and I think that um, my thirst to learn <clears throat> is, is bigger than my pride. So it's that's kind of how I I personally look at it. I got you know brothers like DJ Booby and and Nitro. It's a lot of brothers that I I know that have been DJing a lot longer than me. But I asked them, and you know you do have people that are are, are kind of shy or they don't want to give you their resources or let you know how they went about whatever. But then you got brothers like the boobies and the nitros yo i need yo mm -hmm. what's that what's that song you just played they like what's your email i sent it to you you know but i well, i remember well, the difference is when they see you putting in the work mm -hmm. people will people don't mind 
giving you the information. They don't, right. they really don't mind. It's the people who they haven't seen a track record or even a, a consistent failure from. They haven't seen them put in the work. And even for me, I I won't give you the the resources if I see you just trying to take what I have and put it on your platform. And it's not about me being afraid of anything, but I want to see you put in the work. Let me see you go out and spend dumb money on equipment and don't know how to use it. I I really don't have much to say to you because you've already taken the steps. But right. you got to sometimes put in the work and show people that you're doing it and try your best at it. And people will surprise you and come to you before you even have to come to them. Uh, but sometimes you got to put in that work, as you're saying, put in yeah. the work or support you in any way they can. Yeah. So I'll tell you a little story about mm-hmm. about that. Um, I remember when I was a, when I was a, a teenager, I used to carry my artwork around. I used to have probably like 300 pieces of artwork in this folder. <laughs> um, and I used to. I just wanted somebody to see it, you know. Um, right. Back back then, the furthest I could go, I lived on Haywood, off of Rice's Town Road. But the furthest I could, I could go to, I could go to Park, I could go uh, to Rice's Town Road Plaza. I used to go up there. It was an art store up there. I remember it's called. It was called Woods Center Frame. If you can remember that far back, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Woods Center Frame. Um, my homegirl Tamika used to work there. She used to she used to tell me, "Yeah, I want to put your artwork in a frame," and that was the first place I ever had my artwork put actually in a frame but make a long story short um i used to have this book with artwork in it and i just wanted it to be exposed i wanted people to see it mm. and i remember i went up to orange mills and i forgot what i was doing up orange mills i caught the um the uh the, the subway up the orange mills uh took the little thinking, back way yep the whole nine <laughs> walk through there yep yep exactly <laughs> and um and I did some shopping. I think I went to American Eagle, Abercrombie, or whatever the case may be. I get back home, don't have my portfolio. Mm. Yeah, so so I'm like, hold up. So I remember I had got home at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. I think Owens Mills closed at 9.30 back then. Mm-hmm. So I have all these bags. I'm like looking everywhere for, for, my, for my art. And when I tell you, this was all of my art. I had, I had so much art in that folder. That was everything that I had ever drawn. I haul aid up to Rice's town to uh to Roger Station. Ran up to Roger Station, hopped back on, went up to Owens Mills. I went in every store. I asked every manager. I was at the. I literally stayed at the uh at the subway station, and I would literally get on each subway and jumped off and was thinking that I left it on the subway, but make a long story short, I lost it. Wow. So that's, that's a hurtful feeling. Man, when I tell you I was devastated. I was devastated. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like I lost all of my artwork. But the amazing thing about that was it started a different, it created a different artist because a lot of that artwork that I created was like comic book stuff, like my favorite Spider-Mans and Wolverines and whatever the case may be. I remember mm-hmm. having a, having a conversation uh, with my dad and he said, um, you may have lost your artwork, but you didn't lose your gift, son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that f- moment may have been for you to really respect what you were out there doing. Yeah, yeah. And and like at that point, 
everything that I drew from that point was 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 for the culture. Like I just feel like that was that was my that was my turning point or that was that pivotal moment in my life that could have made or break made me or broken me as an artist to where I just didn't do it no more. Because to have over 300, because I used to count them pieces of artwork, you know. <laughs> I used to count them. I used to count them. When I was a kid, but, but you know, I would, never re- I would never forget that feeling that I had. I just wanted somebody to see me. Yeah. So as, yeah, so as I've gotten older, that has always been my, um, something that I've been passionate about is, is not only creating an artwork, creating artwork and getting my own artwork out, but
upon it. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm not in the habit of just taking business from people, but yeah. a lot of these people who are out here doing it are phoning it in. So why yeah. not learn the skill sets? That's that's how I learned to be an actor. I know every job in a theater from the person who cleans up to the person who's producing it. And yeah. I know every job in between that. Do I always perform all those jobs at once? No, because the quality of your work is going to go down when you try to do that. But I know now when I go to hire somebody, I yeah. know what to look for in them. I know what I'm looking at. I know how um, you know how I'm still performing and how things get you know better. Right. But and I and I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and it's it's something that I've had to learn on the latter end of things. It's something that I've had to learn as a uh, uh, entrepreneur trying to figure out how how do I get to where these people are? How do I you know how do I succeed? in my own right and, and and not you know uh not try to copy what somebody's doing but you like you just said you had you still had to pay the three hundred dollars you didn't yeah. you didn't just look at them but you you invested in that lesson and yeah. sometimes some lessons cost more than others but yeah. you invested in those lessons you just learned within that lesson hey i'm a i'm a that makes three hundred dollars i'm gonna save that Add to that, and I'm gonna go get my own equipment. And most right. people don't look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, most people don't. Uh, most people don't look at it in that way. Most people don't see it that way. Um, as a businessman, now look at it. The, the artwork is to the side, but in terms of um, how we create and how we. Um, uh, do business, put that to the side for a second. As a businessman, how have you been able to sharpen that tool? Outside, of, I mean, you just gave us a little into in that, but how have you sharpened that business sense? Because artists don't always have that side uh, of our mind. Well, we live in the yeah. Well, we live in the age of information, so anything that you need to know about businesses is available. You just have to you have to look for the information. You have to find right. it a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Um. I always tell people to put the art first. Mm. Think of create and let the money come. If right. the motive, if the, let them let the motivation always be creativity and art. Because mm -hmm. if you're doing the work, the money will come. If the motivation, yeah, if the motivation is money, then a lot of you people, a lot of people don't last when it's about money. Because what happens is if say it again. No, go ahead. I, I was just saying, it's just a circle. You keep. Oh, okay. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because at the end of the day, I've seen people that had the motivation of the money. That was the mo that was the money. The, the the motivation was the money. But what happens is, if you're creating, and the money ain't coming, you eventually fall off. Yeah. I've seen that happen. You know, yeah. um, plenty of times. You know, a lot of you know, I I knew a lot of rappers, a lot of dudes that came up and was was rapping and. That's all they talked about is getting this money, getting this money. But when the money didn't come up, they kind of fizzled off. I've always been a, a creative or a, a, a art first. I've always had the art mentality because if you're just sitting there and you're just creating the artwork, everything else comes. People will call you. People will reach out to you. All you got to do is show your gift off, be consistent, and it will open doors up for you. It'll open up. 
Yeah, you know, I done, I done got projects out the blue sometimes. You know, I, I draw a piece of artwork or draw something. It could be simple, simple, throw it online. And I get three or four DMs about logos or somebody that want a, a book done or whatever. And there you go. You know, yeah. the, the money comes, you know, but it all stems from being an artist first. And you, it, it, it's not out. And I, I always tell some of my students, it's not out of the blue. But that person that you didn't see watching you, that person that's following your page and you don't even know them because they're not liking and commenting, those are the people that come out of the blue. Those are the opportunities that just seem like, where did this come from? But your consistency yeah. to, your, to your work and your preparation aligns. And when right. those opportunities, because everybody gets out of the blue blessings, but once that opportunity comes, if you haven't, like you said, and this is one of the lessons that I learned from Poncho, you need to have pieces on top of pieces available. Because when opportunity comes, now you have all this to be able to show to people. I yeah. think in this moment, the people that are thriving the most are the people who consistently prepare for what they're doing versus right. waiting for a paycheck. There are a lot of people that's just sitting here waiting for somebody to ask them to do something that ain't gonna come because that person that's medi mediocre at what they're doing is constantly out there working right and, and they're gonna get that opportunity that you were waiting on and then you're gonna be mad yeah yeah so as we kind of draw to a close uh unfortunately i don't have another hour uh no, cool. with you and this this was great and I, I would love to uh figure out how we could work together i'm always interested in yeah with artists that are hard working i like a hard working artist uh yeah. but what it what advice would you give to artists out there today that are sitting waiting for the magical stimulus check to or just fall on their lap so they can get the work or they're waiting for somebody to ask them to do something virtually right now uh what advice would you give to that artist or entrepreneur really uh, what I would say is, uh, of course, put the art first, you know, um, always put the art first. The money will come second. Mm -hmm. You know, the art is the therapy. The art is the culture, you know, right. and, and, and this is your time. You know, we, you have artists whose time has come and, and artists whose time has, has passed. But in the now, it is your time. To show what you have, you know, and I think that that's important. Show your stuff, show your skills off. Mm -hmm. And I, I also want to say to, to artists out there, invest in yourself. You know, whatever you feel is necessary, you know, and it's really based on your your goals, your creative goals, what you have um, planned or what your expectations are, what you want to get out of it. Um, so those investments may be different based on the artist. But what I will say is, Never feel afraid to to invest in yourself. You know, um, I know money can sometimes be tight, but sometimes you got to make an investment in yourself. And, and that investment can sometimes be what's necessary to get you to the next level. So um, those are the main two things is uh, invest mm -hmm. in yourself um, and put the art first. Uh, so I got two more questions and then I'm going to ask you the final question. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. If you could collaborate with any two artists in a city, who would they be? Well, you know, art creative wise or this, uh, art, just... this artist in general. Wow. That's a dope question. 
So I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna put this on record, but I know if he hear this, he gonna he gonna call me. I'm gonna say Poncho. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I don't went to Poncho's studio quite a few times, and I'm like, we need to do something. And let me tell you what he tell me. He say, just do it. Send me something, draw something, and send it my way. And I I just never had so. You know, it's funny because I have the I have had the opportunity to work um, with uh, with with Poncho, but I, it just hadn't happened yet. Um, the uh, the second person that I would like to work with, um, I'm I'm a big fan of um, Troy Burton. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, me, me and Troy, and I'm gonna just put it out. I love I love Troy Burton. Troy has done a lot for me. You know, he's always supported me. Um, you know, and uh, I've worked with, I've supported him on certain projects. I've been a part of certain projects with him, but just, just seeing um, Troy's transition from the UB Blake Center and him doing the, uh, the plays, the real nigga show. And Mm -hmm. you see his brilliance and you see him, him being, you know, I've, I've known him. I know I've known Troy for over 20 years. He, he gave me my first art show at the UB Blake Center. He, Mm -hmm. he gave that to, I was his, First art exhibit, you could ask him that, but he's done so much for me on a personal level. He's invested in me. He's been there on, you know, me calling him and just checking on, our, you know. But we never worked together, right? Well, we, we never worked together. Um, but that's another big bro that I would definitely like to work with, and and and, and I could probably name a, you know, a few other people as well because you know it's 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 more than just the the, the visual art side. You know, it's it's other mm-hmm. artists that I may want to do um, a music video with or shoot photography or you know because you know my creative reach is pretty long. I could I say so right. So um, but those are my those are two people that I could that I could really um, that I think of right off the top. And I and I the the information that. Uh, that Poncho gave you is actually the same information that Troy gave to me years ago when I, when I first sit down and scheduled a meeting with him and it was just to run some ideas or get some, I was basically venting (laughs) being tired of being an artist, uh, working artist. And I, I would say to you, just create the opportunity and they'll, they'll see the work. And those are two people who, you don't see them watching, but they're watching. Yeah. You may not see them in the crowd, but trust and believe they're watching you. They're watching the steps and not even to compete, but they're just most of the people who we would look at as mentors. They're waiting for us to create an opportunity, but it has to be an opportunity. It can't be just an idea. They want to see you put in the work because then they can match that. But they, they don't want to have to do the work for the both of you. Yeah. Uh, but just create. And it is, I, I'm, I'm saying it, it took me years to even sit down. And, and I just, all this time I've known Troy to actually work with him on his last production. And it really, I was kicking myself like, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Yeah. But sometimes you got to get out of your own way. And this is what he just said to me in February before all this happened. Get out of your own way and do something great for you. Right. And that great for you could be creating this masterpiece and bringing the two of them together or creating a new way or finding a way out of this quarantine for visual and performance artists. But do something great for you 
and get out of your own way. And that's right. sometimes as artists, we think we're going in the right way, but sometimes we're just we're standing in the threshold, just holding up opportunities and keeping the flow from actually flowing. But it's yeah. not great for you, brother, and get out your own way. Yeah, there you go. But uh, my final question to you, sir, is <clears throat> what advice would you give to your 17-year-old self? And what question would you ask to your 100-year-old self? Wow, that's dope. That's deep. Wow. That's a great question. Um, what, I what I would say to my 17-year-old self, um, is um is to remove fear i think that mm. i think when i was younger i was fearful i was i was scared um i, I, I w- there was a stage in my life where i was i was fearful of of showing my artwork because i understood the um the graphic nature of it you know for me growing you know for me uh Cause I used to, I used to create artwork, but I didn't really want people to know who I was. I would, I would kind of put the, put the artwork out there and I would mm-hmm. kind of sit in the background. But, um, that would, that would be what I would tell myself is, is to embrace who I was, embrace the artwork, embrace the message, stand behind the message mm-hmm. of, of your, of my art. Um, and, and I think that that is, that is, uh, that's what's important. That's what's important to me. Like right now, and to do research about the artwork, because you know I'm at the stage in my life now where when I create a piece of artwork, especially if it's a conscious piece of artwork, I do research about it. Right. You know, if I do a picture of when I did a picture of the crucifixion, you know, I did cruc- I did uh, uh, research about it. I did research about you know um, a lot a lot of the things that we deal with as as as, as a culture as black people. I mean, it's, these are things that you live, but at the at the end of the day, sometimes when you 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 create something, you know. You gotta you gotta kind of dig into it, especially when it's a conscious piece of artwork. But mm-hmm. I was I was fearful then, and I would and I would tell my younger self not to be fearful, create it, and stand by it. You know, and that's that's something. Um, and you said, what would I ask my my one hundred year old self? Wow. Let me see. What would I ask my one hundred year old self? Um, that's deep, man. Like that's deep. Man. I'll be while you're thinking. The purpose behind this question is how I kind of both of the questions is how I calibrate myself because right. depending on where you are in your life would right. determine what advice you would give to your 17 year old self and what questions you would ask your 100 year old self. And if everything is going fine, the advice is going to sound one way. But if everything is crumbling, that advice and that question will sound totally different. So this is this question is something that throughout time and I try to mark it in time. And it's how I really calibrate, recalibrate myself when I'm kind of slipping or I'm getting too much, doing too much. And I try to I try to recalibrate myself by asking this question to my 17 year old and the uh, 100 year old self. And it it puts in perspective where I'm at. So the first thing that comes out of my mind is it kind of tells me what to do next and, and and how I should be in this moment. Yeah. And and it it gives me a good uh, 
recalibration? I mean, that is that is an amazing question. That is definitely, and you know, I've I've done a lot of interviews, um, and I very seldomly have a question that really throws me aback. Like, wow, like you know, mm-hmm. how do I respond? What would I literally ask my one hundred year old self? Um, you know, and I and I'm just it's just so loaded. You know, when you think about the strength of memories and the strength of mm-hmm. life and experience, you know, and it just is just deep. Like, what would a 100 year old David Charles, what would my memory and mindset be like? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what 60 years from now? Um, and it's 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 just it's just an interest, it's just interesting to even think about. Um, what but to, to try to answer the question, what would I ask my um, and if you don't have an answer, uh-huh. I, I, I love when when people get stumped by it because that means. You still got so much more to accomplish because in your mind, you haven't even put yourself at a hundred because yeah. you're still on that journey. Most people who can answer it fast, I kind of side out them a little bit only because they're not really thinking about the question. And they normally give me like a real cliche answer, like, was it worth it or uh, <sighs> something like that? And there's nothing wrong with the answer. I'm just saying. When you get stumped, that means you have so much more work to accomplish and to get through. And you have a lot of life left if you can't see that far. Because often when you can see the the goal, which is 100 and this question, the journey is normally scary to you. Yeah. So the fact that you don't even see the goal means you got a clear view right now. I think I have an answer. I think I got an answer. It's probably in a different direction than what you would expect. Mm-hmm. But I, w- I would ask my 80-year-old self, how did we as Black people, how did we as Black people obtain dominance? And mm-hmm. the reason why I ask myself that, because I have the utmost faith that we as people within the next 60 years will maintain a level of dominance in society mm-hmm. and i would want to ask myself if i'm if i'm 100 years old to explain to me how we did it mm. and i honestly feel like we will do it so that is honestly the type so is of, that a, is that an answer you're looking for for right now as well um how to get to that point of like us as a culture rising above absolutely or? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been my motivation. If you if you if you really follow my artwork mm-hmm. and you really see the transition and you see the pieces from the early 90s transitioning into the 2000s, um, um, so forth and so on. You see the culture, you see the the building and the uh, the growth and development of the culture. That is that is that is something because at the end of the day. When you think about money and materialism and a lot of the things that a lot of us um, glorify in hip hop culture, you can't mm-hmm. take that with you. But what you can leave is a legacy. So right. if something something happens to me today or tomorrow and I'm no longer physically able to live or my time has passed. I have artwork. I have a legacy. I have 
hundreds of pieces of artwork to live behind, to, to, to leave behind that people can love, admire, they can hang it up, whatever they see fit. But I feel like what I will be leaving behind is the culture and every piece of artwork that I've created has been to uplift the culture. And that is the Artist Exchange Radio Show for this Monday, the 18th. Sir, I appreciate you. I look forward to uh, some uh, another deep conversation from you. Yeah. This is always home. Anytime, just pick the time and we can get back to talking. Uh, yeah. And I really appreciate your honesty and just you being an artist in this moment and, and not just, you know, falling away and not, not feeling the need to continue to do what is passion for you. Um, yeah. Uh, can you throw out your social media uh, real quick? Or yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So, well, Facebook, 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 David Charles. Um, I do have a, a fan page on Facebook. It, it's the Illis Illustrator. So it's the word the Illis, I-L-L-E-S-T and the word Illustrator. So I do have a fan page. Um, and the uh, and the uh, the art page that I have on Instagram is the Illis Illustrator, just spelled straight out. Uh, the Illust Illustrator. I also have an entertainment page for the DJN and for events that I do, which is uh, David underscore Charles dot ENT. Okay. Yeah. So those so are. Uh, I look forward to like seeing what's to come. I want to see like some more art. I want to see that piece behind you finish because I've I've been seeing like the sketch of it and you yeah. start and now I see colors added to it. So I can't wait to see. The yeah. Finish result um and man i wish you well many blessings thank to you man. uh and anything that I, I can continue to do as the artist exchange to help you out feel free don't, yeah. don't ever hesitate um and thank you yeah yeah and i want to extend that back to you as well um for you you extending your platform to me you know and and i've always watched from afar mm-hmm. and uh continue to do great things you have my support you know I, like i said i feel honored to sit here and talk with you you have my support, and um, if you ever need me, you know where I'm at. But um, I'm already the mind already like yeah. Mm, I wonder if that that creative thing is gonna work, but yeah, I, I, I people are watching that you have no idea, uh, and people are waiting for that opportunity to step in. So yeah, you have a blessing over your life, and I see that how people kind of hover around you and, and the energy that you kind of bring into a room that may be a little off. Uh, so just keep walking in that space, man. And, and tell me how you answer that question in a couple more months as well. You got it, bro. <laughs> so this has been the artist exchange radio show quickly. A couple things that we have coming up. Remember on Wednesdays, we have a new segment called let's, let's go to lunch. Uh, and that's a, a series that I do that special that kind of pinpoints a specific issue. This Wednesday, we're, we're speaking on Lil Boosie versus Dwayne Wade, uh, that idea of toxic toxic masculinity and how it's really affecting how we're uh, living our lives, that idea of using sex as a rite of passage for young men and a weapon towards young women and, and what we need to do to kind of uh, alleviate that and kind of change that that whole course. Um, again, we come back on Friday, every Monday and Friday from 5 p.m. until uh, 7 p.m. And then this Saturday, please tune in live. I got all the dudes 
from The Real Nigga Show. And the ladies, too, Miss Tracy Jiggins and Miss Sandra Meekins, they'll be with me on my uh, Artist Exchange uh, virtual creative series where I bring together cast. We do play readings. We've been having a great time. Shout out to the last show I did this Sunday with the Big Girl Chronicles with Nikki uh, Scroggins as a playwright and some phenomenal, six phenomenal women from all over. They wasn't all from Baltimore. Um, and we had a great time. The viewership, I'm supportive of everybody out there, but I love the people who come in and support our platform. Again, this Sunday, you can find the link on the Artist Exchange page, or you can go to Eventbrite, and you can find a level of donation. Remember, all the th all the funds that you donate uh, go directly to paying all the participants that are involved in keeping the series going. And we're going to continue doing this thing until things get normal, and we may even turn it into a monthly event that we do uh, virtually as time move on in general. So again, thank you all. Uh, shout out David Charles. Follow this man. I think you had a, 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 a question on there, somebody from Amanda. I'm gonna find that information and send it over to you too, brother. She's looking for an illustrator. Um, so thank you again. This is the Artist Exchange Radio Show only on BeExposedRadio.com. There you go. Peace out. Peace out.